You could learn a lesson in gratitude. I could thank you for not interfering. As it happens, you are hardly in a position to have anything to say about it. You may join the others belonging to my uncle, and henceforth you may take your orders from him. Your very humble slave, Miss Bishop. Hello, and welcome to The Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Raslin. I'm David Daw. And this week, we are finally finishing perhaps the worst year in Academy Award nominees, uh, 1935, with Errol Flynn's Captain Blood. Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, I've also just had a tiring day and I need to kind of amp myself up for the podcast, but I found this movie, I texted you to say, like, this movie does basically everything I said Mutiny on the Bounty needed to do and I still hate it. (laughs) So maybe I just hate boats. Maybe just hate the golden age of sail. That's, maybe. Um, Here's really what it is, is I spent the first 20 minutes of this movie really trying to get into it, because what I figured out from, like, scene one is, like, this is the 1930s version of a, like, big, dumb action movie. Like, Jason Statham would star in this movie if we made it today. Like, this movie stars a doctor who I don't believe for a single goddamn second has a medical license. (laughs) It's that kind of a film. This is actually one of the first notes in my notes is medical school question mark because i don't think that was actually a thing in 1658 or wherever this is set the 17th century yeah i don't think people went to medical school but the problem that really becomes obvious around the time the actual piracy starts in this film is like oh right this is a big dumb action movie and we're 20 years out from hollywood knowing how to make an action movie like action movies haven't been invented yet say that i think they absolutely did their all in it though like i didn't hate this movie like i i feel comfortable saying i didn't hate this movie and i found it like generally entertaining and there were some things about it that i really really liked Uh, there are some things about it that i found perplexing i do think that it has perhaps the most confused politics of any movie we've watched oh my christ yes but like again it's errol flynn so it's not that the action is like garbage it's just the science isn't there yet like you watch the sword fight and you go oh no one choreographed this like we just don't have choreographed fight sequences yet well also because i was thinking about this while i was watching him and basil rathbone aka the world's best actor in the 30s well, no, the Basil Rathbone isn't, because thankfully he's kind of garbage in this movie, so I was like, the record is broken. But Basil Rathbone's actually the wrong guy from David Copperfield. Oh. He's the the Mudstone, or whatever the like evil dude's name that you don't... It's the other evil dude from early in the movie who also kind of overacts. Which checks out. So who's the other guy that that we like? Shoot, I had it open in my other tab, like on my other oh, computer. Oh, Roland Young. Uh, Roland Young. Damn it. Uh, is who we were looking for in this one. Basil Rathbone kind of does this. And uh, we're going to see him again in 38 for the Robin Hood, where I think he's the basis for the... Oh, we're going to see him next year because he plays Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, shit, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> 
He kind of overacts in this and in David Copperfield. But what I was saying about the sword fight is, I mean, I have this problem watching sword fights in contemporary movies. I have this problem watching sword fights when the Royal Shakespeare Company does them, which I think is actually just a a problem that you and I have because you and I both fenced. (laughs) Like the Princess Bride is perfect, but also like... Yeah, because they're really fencing. <laughs> and everything else sucks that I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, and but this is like especially like egregious in the sense of like what they choreographed, what they thought about were the like really, really big moments of just like, and then you swing on a rope or and then you like charge him or then you, and then everything in between is just like, I don't know, man, just swing your sword around. Like try not to hurt each other. And like... There's just long sequences of it where, like, you guys are improving this, and that's not how this works. And all of the action sequences have that feeling of just, like, and then everybody runs over and tackles somebody. And it's kind of boring. Well, I would say, like, the big ship fight at the end does not... It doesn't feel choreographed, necessarily, but it... To me, it didn't feel boring. When it works, it works on that, like, cast of thousands thing of just, like, shit, this is a lot of people just wailing on each other. Well, also, like, if you blow a hole in the side of a ship or, like, into the mast and stuff just starts crumbling on people, like, it looks pretty, it looks pretty impressive and pretty scary. Yeah. Not like I'm not going to sleep tonight, but like, oh, shit, those people are in trouble. (laughs) But we're, like, getting way far ahead of ourselves. Yes. Do you want to tell the the story? (laughs) Sure, go ahead. So it's, like, during the reign of James II, who was sort of a contentious king in England, and there's a bunch of people who are rebelling, and there is a doctor, played by Errol Flynn, whose name... (laughs) Whose name is Peter Blood, and I swear to God... Every time somebody said Dr. Blood, I lo- I lost it. Because, like, first of all, is that... Literally my <laughs> very first note, because it's in the title. Like, in the titles, they list his name as Edward Blood. So my very Peter. first note is, oh, Blood is his Christian name. Peter Blood. Like... <laughs> um... uh, not Edward. Peter Blood. Oh, right. Which, <laughs> I, I just, I just can't. But, like, one, has Blood ever been anyone's surname ever? No. Like, ever. (laughs) I thought his name was gonna, like, kind of have something to do with Blood. And then, like, oh, he's known as Captain Blood instead of, like... Blackbeard. I don't know what his last name would be. Which is, I guess, why they just gave up and named him fucking Peter Blood. But, like, I I, I just, like... (laughs) It seems like you could have it be... Anything at all. Literally anything. (laughs) Right. Or just like he's a doctor. So like they start calling him Captain Blood because he's a doctor or something. Because it's nuts. My note is like, one, has anyone ever had this surname? But two, like, wouldn't you just change it if you were a doctor? Because like, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. It's like the part in Doctor Strange where you're supposed to believe that a guy named Stephen Strange is one of the like, most sought after doctors in the world and nobody ever goes like, I don't know if I want brain surgery from Stephen Strange. (laughs) 
That seems like not a thing I want. Yeah, but you know what? Like, in a comic book world, that cosmology is established that we're so far removed from the expectations of realism. Whereas this is not that far removed from from history, from like actual history, that it feels really, really weird. I don't know. I'm going to push back on that as we get through this plot a little more. But like, I I get what you're saying. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm a super big pirate nerd. So there were times in this where I was like, oh, yeah, this is like really actually pretty historically accurate. Anyway, he's treating some guy who's like wounded during the rebellion so he gets arrested and he comes before Judge Jeffries, who was like this historically really tough judge whose name, his like nickname was the Hanging Judge, along with like 40 other people where apparently the cast for the extras here, they were like, are you short and like not very good looking so that Errol Flynn looks gorgeous by comparison? Great, you're hired. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, I plead guilty to being a rebel, except for Peter Blood. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to call him Errol Flynn, because I can't say it without laughing. <laughs> so uh, Errol Flynn is like, no, I'm innocent. And they're like, yeah, those aren't the words that we use. Are you guilty or not guilty? And then he has this big thing where he's like, I'm just a doctor who is treating somebody. And the judge is like, yeah, you're a rebel, fuck off. And Errol Flynn is like, oh, well, if I'm not a doctor, then how do I know that you're sick with consumption? And I'm like, well, uh, I I don't know if that's like the move, but apparently you were right. (laughs) Right. This is one of those things where it's like just generally Peter Blood's plan is like, I'm the smartest person in the room. Okay, so what? Like, how does that help in any way? What in what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a- occasionally that works for him, but then there are times where it's like you're before a judge who is notorious for just sending people to their death. Like maybe this isn't the move, right? And more often than not, what ends up happening is he's the smartest person in the room. Everybody hates him. He leaves, and then he comes back and goes like, "Oh, also, I'm blackmailing you," or like, "Oh, also, there's this thing I didn't mention where I win." Where it's like you could have just skipped to that, my man. Like this whole, <laughs> the whole thing you did before this was unnecessary, right? And really, kind of a dick move. Anyway, somebody goes to the king and is like, "Hey, so." We actually really need slaves in the West Indies. So instead of hanging all these guys, what if we just sent them to Port Royal in Jamaica to be sold into slavery? This is a place for me, and I really have to stop here because this is one of the places where the politics of this movie are really confused. One, it wasn't called being sold into slavery. It was called going on transport. And two, like they didn't sell them. You were, it was like you were a prisoner. So it was like prison slave labor and lots of people died. And it certainly wasn't an option to not participate in the system. Like you could, well, it was, that's where a lot of pirates came from was that they would mutiny on transport or that they would mutiny once they got to the islands in the Caribbean, but it's not comparable to the transatlantic slave trade in the same way. No. And like this movie almost entirely erases the transatlantic slave trade to be about white endangered servitude slavery 
there is exactly one black person in this movie, and it's a little boy who's just chilling looking after the governor's hat. Yeah, he just carries like a really long, weird parasol so that the governor, I guess, is not emasculated by carrying a parasol. Yeah, and that is the extent to which non-white slavery even exists in this universe. There's one other one, but it's not until the very, very end, and it's also in my notes, and it is an adult, but again in a non-speaking role. So, like, this movie is kind of doing with transportation, which is what it was called, what you were talking about last week with, like, oh, they're taking a brave stand against impressment. This is, like, taking a brave stand against transport, which had ended, like, you know, hundreds of years before this movie was made, whereas actual New World slavery had ended not even a hundred years before. So it's it's a weird thing. Anyway, he gets to Port Royal and there's apparently like Colonel Bishop who is okay, I guess, as a slave owner. And then some other guy who like owns a, a mill or it's a mill, right? I think it was a mine. A mine, right, right, right. Because he does end up working on a mill. Yeah, but it's also weird because they do take a lot of time out to go like, Colonel Bishop's the good one. And then the rest of the movie is just about what a piece of shit Colonel Bishop is. Right. And like that (laughs) other guy never comes back, ever. Yeah, so the other guy comes up and this guy straight up is Captain Hook. And I was kind of upset that he wasn't in the rest of the movie because his whole gear was totally like Captain Hook in the movie Hook. He gets outbid for Errol Flynn by Arabella Bishop, who is Colonel Bishop's niece, played by Olivia de Havilland. And let's kick this out for a second, because like, yes, we have just been introduced to our love interest. And yes, she did just buy our lead. Yes. Which... Which is something that she (laughs) expects him to be grateful for throughout the whole movie. Right. And then we're going to get to it, but it gets even more crazy than that later on in the film. Oh, yeah. But that's our starting point. Then, you know, he like works on this mill or whatever. And Colonel Bishop, the quote unquote nice slave owner, has a tendency to like randomly tie people up and brand them on the cheek if they try to escape. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, man, if he's the good guy, how bad is Captain Hook over there? Whom we, again, never see again. Then we get to, one, the part where Captain Blood does any actual doctoring in this entire movie where he's supposedly a doctor. No, he does it right at the beginning where he's, like, stitching up that one guy when he gets arrested. Yeah, I guess. But again, it just seems like he just is sitting there. I don't know. He's like putting some cotton swabs on the guy's chest with tweezers. (laughs) Which I guess is like, we're definitely in the era of like, well, I guess he's not like bleeding him to death. So that's pretty good. Just pack the wound with dirty cotton. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, be surprised when they die. So yeah, Arabella is all like, Oh, governor of Port Royal, I see that you suffer from gout, and the doctors on the island are really bad at treating you. So I know this other doctor who is Errol Flynn. (laughs) He's a really good doctor, which, like, how does she know? Right. 
she's just instantly convinced he's good at everything because he's handsome. And then it does work out that he is, in fact, good at everything. He is handsome. Like, I'm not gonna... Aeroflin was apparently a real piece of shit. Yeah. But he was really handsome. I was surprised, actually, at how handsome he was. Because I always just sort of thought, like, okay, well, he just was a fencer and people were into that or whatever. But he's, like, surprisingly good looking. Yeah. Anyway, he's got good teeth. He's got a really charming smile. He is not a great actor, but, you know, whatever. So... Errol Flynn goes and treats the governor and after two months, like, somehow alleviates his gout. So they're all really happy about that for whatever reason. Not that this does anything for him. Right. And this, for some unclear reason, gives Blood carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Including going horseback riding with Arabella. Yeah. Which is just, like, never really sufficiently explained. Like, the idea is, like, he has the favor of the governor, but, like, he's still ostensibly a slave. So, like, I don't really know how that's supposed to work. But he then, like, with the leeway that gives him, starts planning his escape. And this is yet another one of those movies where somebody has to, like, say the word escape for our lead to go, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should leave this shitty situation I'm in. You forgot the part, though, where he kisses Arabella when they go horseback riding and she slaps him. But this is, of course, after she, like, makes it clear to him that he should be really grateful to her for purchasing him as a slave. All she's ever done, by the way, is hit on him. And, like... Yeah! Yeah. And it's like giggling when he's not around of like, oh, I wonder how mad he'll be at me for doing him another favor by getting him to treat the governor. <laughs> Which was so incongruous with the tone of the movie yeah. at that point. Because everybody is like a slave and they live in terrible barracks and like people keep getting branded on the cheek and whipped and like tied up and put. I mean, they're not stocks, but it's essentially the same thing where they're like tied to a pole outside. Yeah. And like he keeps going like, do you really expect me to be grateful for you letting me live in a slightly better form of slavery? And it's like, yeah, that's a really good point. And the movie does not seem to really want to sit with it for very long. No. So yeah, he goes to the other two doctors on the island and is like, so sucks for you guys that you don't have any work now because I'm amazing. Wouldn't it be great if I left? And they're like, yeah, it would be super great. And he's like, cool. So buy us a boat and we're gonna all escape together, which I don't know how that really like was a thing that wouldn't have been discovered. And it's almost discovered. And Jeremy, who is the like, shorter, skinnier, less handsome version of Errol Flynn. (laughs) Yeah. Gets tied up and whipped. Then Errol Flynn goes and like gives him a cup of water And Colonel Bishop gets mad and yells at him and says, you know, I said that he wasn't to have any food or water until I said so. So then Errol Flynn gets tied up and starts to be beaten on the front of his body with a whip, which apparently has absolutely zero impact on him whatsoever. And then... And then the Spanish attack. Super duper conveniently. Like, literally, Bishop is like, nothing can save you now. Nothing. Cannon fire from the Spanish attacking. Someone yells, the Spanish are here. And then just like everyone forgets that they were going to kill blood. Well, Andy actually turns the camera and says, 
this is what I call a timely interruption. Right. And, <laughs> and then we cut to text on the screen that says, the timely interruption, <laughs> Spanish pirates are invading Port Royal or whatever it is. That's uh, this, by the way. But they're also not pirates. No, and like, but generally speaking, this title card thing is what I mean when I say we haven't invented the action movie yet. Because it's like if you were watching a Fast and the Furious movie, and then they like got in the car and shifted it into gear, and then suddenly text appeared on screen and was like the big getaway. In this one, The Rock and Jason Statham just drove a car out of a 50-story building into another 30-story building. It was goddamn (laughs) incredible. No one, people talked about it for the next hundred years. It was great. And it was exactly what we needed. And then you like cut back to the two of them and they were like, oh, that really took it out of me, man. Well, except they show the whole thing happening afterward and you're like, yeah, okay, you could have just... You could have just showed it. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they, like, show a montage of it happening in the background of the title card, and sometimes they just skip- Oh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that. And sometimes they're just like, five years later, they've been rad for a long time now. (laughs) So the Spanish, who are not actually pirates, attack. Because I have this in my notes during the attack. I was like, why are the pirates wearing uniforms? But they're not. Like, they clear this up later where, you know, like, the Spanish crown is attacking Port Royal to try to take it back. Which they basically do, except that Errol Flynn and his compatriots, who are all shorter and less pretty than he is, are trying to get away, but their boat has been burned in the attack. So they do what is my absolute favorite pirate trope, which is... The row out to the relatively undefended ship, climb up the ropes, and then take the ship from the, like, skeleton crew who is on it while the rest of the people are attacking. And then, instead of leaving, they're like, oh, this is the reason we waited until morning, so we could shoot with the cannons the people who are, like, admittedly accidentally but still responsible for our liberation so they like kill all of the spanish naval fighters who are coming back on little rowboats and then leave yeah there's this crazy thing to this where like all of these guys are like fuck james the second fuck the crown fuck england but also we are incredible patriots who will do whatever we can to stop england's enemies they have just this weird ahistorical sense of national pride is apparently the movie symbol that they're good guys uh yeah i mean i guess like it's it's kind of it's kind of the equivalent of the resistance where people suddenly have become like extremely patriotic for country but hate the ruler right Generally, because this kind of has a, like, a big dumb action movie vibe to it, I don't really give a crap about the ahistorical stuff the way that I did about last week's movie. Also, because this isn't claiming to be historically accurate. Like, there was no Peter Blood. Uh, it's... No. <laughs> right? Crazy. <laughs> I mean... You're joking. <laughs> in history's defense... Is Peter Blood really that much more ridiculous of a name than Fletcher Christian? 
Yes. I mean- Because no one has ever had the surname Blood, ever. Okay, but like- I mean, maybe they have, but I- Look, listeners, if you have ever known anyone with the surname Blood, their first name can be whatever- Send us an email at screentestoftime at gmail.com. I'm just- Because I don't believe that anyone has ever had this surname, ever. I I guess I'm just saying, like, if Fletcher Christian wasn't an actual guy, and, like, you saw a character named Fletcher Christian show up on a TV show, you'd be like, fucking Ryan Murphy. Every time. Like, why can't he (laughs) name a human being a human being's name? Yeah, I mean, that's- that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, so they all get on the boat and they all go sailing away. And this is actually a point in the movie where there is some really historically accurate stuff that happens that made me kind of happy because, again, I'm a huge pirate nerd. So they set up their articles for, like, how the ship is run. And most of these are actually taken from different pirates ship articles. So, like, the amount of money that everybody gets is split after outfitting the ship. That there's actually basically workman's comp like if somebody gets injured they get a certain amount of money for the injury and it usually outlined like if you lost a finger it was one thing if you lost a limb then it was a higher price that like you couldn't be drunk during engagements meaning fights and that you couldn't like take women against their consent which is weird because like the general idea of pirates after this is, like, all they ever did was rape and pillage and be drunk and, like, that they were really, really bad guys. And honestly, like, some of them were, but most of that was shit that they, like, put out into the world so people would just surrender to them instead of fight. I think the thing that makes this a weird moment in the movie, although it it is cool and I do like it, Errol Flynn often in this movie ends up doing this thing where it's like, where did you get this idea, my man? Why is Peter Blood doing this? Where he just sort of stands on the deck of the ship and dictates the price of various, like, limbs getting cut off. Where it's like, these all seem like very good and reasonable prices, but it's like he's just coming up with them off the top of his head. And nobody in the crew is like, that seems weird. Like, can that be more or less ever? Well, and the other thing, too, is that he supposedly doesn't have any experience in the navy or as a sailor so like why first of all is he captain automatically no one votes for him yeah i guess because he like arranged for the escape but two he doesn't have any experience doing this and they have people that they specifically say were like somebody was a gunner for the royal navy and somebody else was like a rigger or something but they're not in charge of the ship But whatever, fine. (laughs) Once they write their pirate constitution, we do our time jump. And then we have, like, the worst montage. Because the montage really looks like the trailer for old movies. But it's in the middle of this movie. Yeah. It really is the just, like, absolute epitome of the movie telling, not showing the action stuff. Because it is just like, and then by the end of it, literally everyone knew the name Captain Blood and thought like, oh shit, this guy rules. And like, 
you're like, man, I really wish I got to watch that movie instead of the like really mediocre escape movie I just sat through 30 minutes of. Most of the images from that are just super, it's like multiple shots superimposed on top of each other from later in the movie. Yeah. And then there's the text across it, sometimes diagonally, that's like... The most feared pirate in all of the Caribbean, the terror of England. And you're like, this is just a trailer from 1935. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But okay, whatever. And then we catch back up with our crew to find that they're very successful pirates and about to, for no apparent reason, because they don't have to, make a deal with an obviously comically evil other pirate captain who's French and who is played by Basil Rathbone. Oh, wait, but there is one actually really, I thought, charming moment that comes right before this. Everybody's getting paid out from whatever the most recent hunt was, and they're like, 10 pounds for you, plus whatever pieces of eight for a lost limb. And one of the guys is like trying to shoot his own toe off. So that he gets more money. But of course, Errol Flynn is so clever that he catches him and is like, here's your share and no extra money for shooting off your own toe. And then everybody laughs. And I was like, that's kind of like, that's, that's nice. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not nice that he shot off his own toe, but it shows like a camaraderie between them and that everybody kind of knows everybody else at this point and knows what their games are and they still like each other. It's also, I think, one of the few moments where, like, the character work really plays to Errol Flynn's strengths. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of this is Errol Flynn, like, having to be the smartest guy in the room, which I don't think he's very good at. Or, like, Errol Flynn having to explain at length how something works, where most of the time I'm just like, I'm sure somebody else will explain it later, (laughs) in a way that makes a lot more sense. And, like, it kind of has the right kind of effortless charisma for it, of like, oh yeah, of course he knew. Like, yeah, sure, yeah. They go to, like, this place called Tortuga, which is essentially Nassau, if you're a black sales person like me. Which, also, I want to clear something up from last week, because I talked about how black sales is amazing and wonderful. And if any of our listeners took that as a recommendation to watch the show, one, yes, you should. Two, don't watch the first season because it is fucking terrible and is either super boring or extremely exploitative, sometimes violent toward women. And you don't need to watch it. Just, uh, I don't write us an email again and I will send you the like only important points that you need from the first season and you can start on season two where it is absolutely perfect until the end of the series. But anyway, they go to Tortuga where they like hang out with, you know, the girls in the brothel and the evil French pirate where they decide to become partners. This to me is the absolute worst acting Errol Flynn does in the movie, but it's also not his fault because it's just a wild fucking line where like he just signs this thing and then his crew goes like here's to the like best captain in all of the caribbean and wanders off and he goes best captain then why did i just do the stupidest thing a man's ever done as an idiot who's a moron and you're like why did you that's a good question (laughs) that's why did you fucking do it that is not what he said (laughs) he says he says they they toast first. <laughs> they toast 
to the greatest captain of the Caribbean, and then he goes off and says the greatest captain, right? Who I think just made the greatest mistake. But like again, which is again this like weird meta commentary, <laughs> and they can't quite pull off the meta commentary in this movie because it only happens three times. And it just doesn't make any sense. I don't, I think you're giving it too much credit as meta commentary. It's just this weird thing where like the movie's like, oh shit, we have to like signify somehow this deal's going to go bad, but we don't have any time for like him to actually do something to make you think the deal was a bad idea. So we're just going to have the person who literally just signed the deal five seconds ago go, that was a really stupid thing to do. Which is completely in conflict with him being the smartest guy in the room all the time. One. Right. But two, (laughs) there's no need to telegraph that because Basil Rathbone has already telegraphed that so much from the first moment that he's on screen. For sure. He is caught, like, has the mustache to twirl to be a mustache twirling villain. Yeah. Facial scar, the whole bit, you know. Um, and so he, of course, immediately captures our love interest and decides to be just a real piece of shit about it. Who's on a ship, by the way. She's not just, like, randomly in Tortuga. Like, their first thing that they do as a team is that he captures a ship that she is on with Lord Willoughby, who is trying to, like, go and stop the pirates. That's all that we know at this point. Right. Like, I was gonna say, to be fair, she's not randomly on Tortuga, but she is randomly on a boat. Like, they do have to go like, ah, I'm so rested and relaxed from the extended vacation I was on during the time jump. Time for me to be on this boat. Which, like, where are they going? I think they're coming back from England to... Like, are they going to Port Royal? I think they're going to Port Royal. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. But, like, honestly, who cares? Because they're just on this boat to get captured. No, they, but they are actually going to Port Royal, I just remembered. And her father, of course, has now become governor of Port Royal. Yeah. Oh, and they make a whole big deal when they're signing the agreement that they're going to sail under the articles of Captain Blood's... Shit. No part of this agreement but makes any sense. The more anyone talks about it, it's just insane they ever, either of them ever signed it. Like, why would, anyway. So, of course, because they promised to sail under those articles and there was an article specifically for not harassing women, which includes capturing them as prisoners, then Captain Blood is like, well, we have to let her go. And an evil French mustache twirling captain is like, oh, hell no. And so in a reverse of fortune, Captain Blood purchases her from evil French mustache twirler. But I want to get into the like 18 separate layers of insult to injury that Captain Blood does to Leviser, to Basil Rathbone's character. Because, like, first he comes out and is like, hey, you signed the contract and it says you can't kidnap this woman, so stop being a dick. But I guess I'll just pay you for it anyway. I have these pearls in my pocket that are worth more than anything you've ever owned, you dumb piece of shit. And I'm just going (laughs) to throw them on the ground in front of your crew and then murder you. 
I guess our agreement's done then. And then you're like... And there's not even any leopard girls to release after you throw pearls to the crew. But it's like every single step of this is unnecessary. And he never like goes like, I have already won. He wins from the very first point he brings up. And then just keeps bringing up new points to just further screw over Levisur until he's literally killed him and left his crew waiting around on this beach like I guess we just go home now <laughs> like I like I yeah yeah I, uh, well and he kills him by them having this really not very good at all sword fight extremely mediocre sword fight where they literally are just waving their swords at each other for long portions of it and it infuriated me and he stabs him and i'm using air quotes here clearly like just puts the sword behind his back out of the shot in the side which would absolutely not kill someone instantly yeah they might die from like their kidney being punctured but it would be long and painful they're both using like fencing foils it would be extremely hard to stab a dude anywhere where they just fall on the ground and go like fuck Like, just, like... Yeah, it it doesn't really make any sense. But there is a great shot of Basil Rathbone on the beach, and then the waves come in and wash over him and then wash back out, which I was like, that's that's nice. That was a nice touch. Yeah. There's a few actually really nice shots in this movie, um, which is weird, because a lot of the backgrounds are matte paintings that I thought were hilarious, because we're so far beyond that at this point. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there's a th- there's a shot later where they're sort of arguing about going back to Port Royal, where the just lifting the map painting up and down in the background was like distracting. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not great. But let's get to the part where he has now bought Arabella, because we have now gotten to the point where the like confused moral backflips that Arabella does around slavery fucking she goes super saiyan on her morals making no sense whatsoever yep because suddenly she is just incredibly incensed about his like dirty pirate money where like you're a slaver lady (laughs) like you had absolutely no problem buying a person as a slave no problem with the fact that your uncle does that regularly that it is the source of your family's fortune but like yeah, but you're a pirate, though, so you buying me is a real piece of shit move. Well, and also she's like, how could I ever be thankful to you for purchasing me? And I'm like, are you, are you, are you for real right now? Because, like, one, this is not the same situation at all. Like, he just killed a dude, but also, quote unquote, bought you in order to take you back to Port Royal, where your uncle is. He's not planning on making you a slave. Or at least wasn't until you started all this shit with him. Like, say, I just don't understand how she's not like, hey, by the way, you know what? It was really, really shitty of me that I bought you and then made you feel like you should be thankful for it. And I understand now why that pissed you off because it feels weird and dirty that you purchased my liberty. She also just has this fanatical hatred of pirates out of nowhere. Like, well, I mean, she she did grow up on Port Royal. Well, sure, but like whenever that subject is brought up in act 1 or he does anything sort of toward that direction, she kind of clearly finds it sort of sexy. 
And then it's also kind of at odds with her immediately turning around and going like, well, you can't go back and be killed for your piracy by my uncle. Who hates you and hates pirates. And it's very, it's just a weird scene. And like, it's clearly there to be a kind of reversal of fortune from their earlier character dynamic. But the movie like hasn't really thought it through. And so it's just weird. Right. So of course they go to Port Royal. To return (laughs) her and the crew briefly objects slightly so that Captain Blood can outsmart them by using reverse psychology for three seconds. Which is like the most transparent example of reverse psychology I've ever seen. Because he's like, well, no, you know, I'm I'm not the captain now because you don't want to do what I wanted to do. So what are we what are we doing, guys? And they're like, oh, shit, we don't know. <laughs> it's genuinely like, I mean, we could go to Port. Mm, no, that's more of a Shelbyville idea. <laughs> like... It, <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, they they go to Port Royal, and he puts Arabella on a boat to you know be taken in before the ship comes in, and she says, you know, oh, I have to talk to Captain Blood, and Jeremy, the skinny short doppelganger, is like, well, he's actually busy right now. And then there's like a million shots of him looking wistfully at Arabella. And I'm like, what? He's busy just looking over at Arabella and not being fucking captain right now? All right. Whatever. Yeah, the amount of like crazy bullshit they have to do for the reveals of the last act to happen in an order that makes the plot make any sense. Because we are about to get to like the serial reveals from like, what's the dude's name? Steed or no? Willoughby. Willoughby. Yes. That like have to happen in this exact order. So that the last climactic action sequence still happens, but also that there's any kind of tension whatsoever left in the movie. So reveal one, England is at war with France, not with Spain, which they didn't know because they've been on a ship for two months. Yeah. Reveal two, James is no longer king, the guy that they all hate who sentenced them to transport. Reveal three, oh, by the way... The way that I was going to stop piracy is I was coming into the Caribbean to offer everyone who was a pirate a pardon. So just go blow up these French ships and you're fighting for England. And a commission in the British Navy. A blanket pardon and a commission in the Navy. I don't know if the commission in the Navy was an actual thing. The blanket pardon was an actual thing. Yes. But it's like, oh, okay, so great. All we have to do now is like blow up the French ships and set Port Royal free. And we can do it all as if we were the English Navy. Right. This is clearly why blood has to be incredibly busy looking wistfully out at the ocean for a week. (laughs) A week. (laughs) Because, like, just why didn't this guy tell him any of this a week ago? It would have been really useful information. Well, and they actually say that to him, too. They're like, uh, you certainly took your time telling us all of this, Willoughby. They also, though, do have to have that other line that's just like, I'm on a boat. I don't know anything. You can't learn news on a boat. What are you, crazy? (laughs) They just... (laughs) Where, like, no one has talked about the King of England being deposed in in Tortuga? It never came up? Like... Yeah, that, that seems pretty fucking unlikely. 
Anyway, so they go and there's a big boat fight and a bunch of boats get blown up and burned and whatever. And that goes on for like a while. And it's generally, I think, a pretty good use of models. Uh, It's not something you're going to see on Black Sails, for instance, because they didn't have CGI. There's some really goofy shit in it, though. Like, at one point, they all throw grappling hooks onto one of the ships to pull it toward them so they can board. And, like, one of the grappling hooks wraps around a French sailor, but just so perfectly that he's, like, tucked into the grappling hook instead of, I don't know, stabbed by it. This is what I'm saying about it being 1930s Fast and the Furious. Like, Captain Blood 3, he's definitely, like, riding a cannonball. (laughs) You have that, like, the rock throws a torpedo level of, like, power inflation just in this one movie. Yeah. So they win, and then it sort of, like, cuts to, I guess, a week later, maybe? Yeah. Colonel Bishop is back and is informed by the guy whose name I keep forgetting. Willoughby. Willoughby. That he's no longer the governor, and there's a new governor of Port Royal. Oh, but before this, they have Arabella get picked up at her house in a carriage. Right. And there is a black servant who I'm going to go ahead and assume because of the period and because of where we are is a slave. And my first thought was like, are you kidding me? Did you fucking learn nothing this whole time? (sighs) Given the like history that happens after this, it's pretty clear that Peter Blood doesn't like outlaw slavery in Port Royal. No. Like. (laughs) No. So anyway, she goes to meet up with Errol Flynn and she's all like, you have to run away. My father is coming back and he hates you and he'll see you hanged. And he's like, you know what? Let's go and hide in the governor's office. And then Colonel Bishop comes back and Willoughby is like, you're not governor anymore. In fact, you might be tried for treason because you abandoned your post in the middle of an attack to go hunt pirates. Oh, and also you were made governor by the old king. So like just that could be treason. Yeah. And then like the thing that's crazy about this is the movie plays it like it's supposed to be like a mystery who the new governor is. Yeah. Even though literally blood in the previous scene had been like, I have a really good relationship with the governor. He lets me go where I please and do where I, what I please and wears the same clothing as me and has the same haircut. And also his name is Peter Blood. <laughs> but then in the last scene, Arabella, who is clearly in on it by this point, comes in and like semi-jokingly pleads for the life of her uncle with the new governor who's hiding his face and then Peter Blood gets one last chance to be a smug piece of shit <laughs> as he looks up from the, like where he's been looking down in the desk to go good morning uncle that's right I'm not going to kill you and I'm banging your niece the end <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's this movie. I, I hate it was too strong, but I wanted to really like this movie and I didn't. It has its moments. It, it has some performances I enjoy in it. Our actual, like, long-term screen test of time MVP who's in this movie is Guy Kibbe, who plays sort of one of the lesser pirates who was also in Lady for a Day as Judge Henry G. Blake. 
The like Right, the fake judge. Yeah, the fake judge con man who plays the husband of the lady for a day. Yeah, Guy Kibbe plays the stock bald older pirate who is wise because he's older than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and he's great in that. Yeah, he's good. He doesn't get enough screen time, I don't think. The guy who keeps trying to blow his his own foot off also is pretty good and funny. Yeah. When this movie goes full pirate, it's pretty fun. The pirate stuff is fun. But a surprisingly small percentage of this movie is pirate-related, considering it's called Captain Blood. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really surprised that Treasure Island, which came out the year before this, with Wallace Beery and Jackie Cooper and Lionel Barrymore, didn't get nominated. But we've got these two ostensibly pirate movies in 1935. And, like, there's no way that that movie with Wallace Beery, Jackie Cooper, and Lionel Barrymore wasn't, like, a million times better than this. Yeah. I mean, like, both of these, like, I get why it was successful, but I don't really get why you would nominate it for Best Picture. I mean, compared to the other shit in this year, though, first of all, like, should we rate this and say if you should watch it? And then let's get into the nitty gritty of this really painful year yeah i'm gonna i mean i'm just gonna give this a five we haven't really done many fives in a while because 1935 has been a fucking nightmare but like i just like yeah it's fine it's got some things that are good it's got some things that are quite bad uh it it's a five yeah i'm gonna give it a five because it's totally watchable you know like i wasn't Anytime that I was bored, it cleared up pretty quickly. Like, it didn't drag necessarily. It was just that some of the stuff I was like, what the, what is going on? Particularly the stuff where they're first in Port Royal, which as a part of the movie, as an act of the movie went on too long, but no particular scene was over long. Costumes were okay. I, I gotta say, like, I know you don't like Errol Flynn in this movie, but he... I think he's charming. Uh, I just don't think he's a very good actor. Yeah, no. I mean, there's a point where they find Arabella on the beach after she's been captured by Basil Rathbone. And he goes from, like, having his jolly face on to the most hard switch to, like, Oh, now is my concerned face. And I was like, you have no poker face, dude. Like, this is not great. But yeah, I mean, he's charming. He's good looking. He manages to pull it off most of the time because the character is what it is. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's fine. Olivia de Havilland is also totally fine, except that I fucking hate her character. Like, Arabella is just terrible. I've, I've... So yeah, five. Yeah. Should you watch this movie? Nah. Don't watch this movie. I mean, among other things, we're going to watch this movie again, but better in like three years when we watch Robin Hood. <laughs> so yeah, don't watch this movie. I'll, I'll say again for the second week in a row, watch seasons two through four of Black Sailed instead. <laughs> you know, that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie still holds up. I mean, Johnny Depp's apparently kind of a piece of shit in a way that we didn't know at the time. Also, I feel like we kind of came around on Legolas in that time, so maybe it evens out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and, and I'll just quickly interject. Now, now is a good time to suggest that if you have been listening to our podcast and like us, you should subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice and, like, maybe leave us a review <laughs> if you want. Yeah. What kind of review should they leave, David? I think they should leave a five-star review unless you're using some kind of a system that doesn't do five stars. Uh, and does like a thumbs up or something, in which case you should do that. 
Uh, you should also leave a review that sounds like a capsule review of a 1930s film, just because I feel like giving you orders. And I'm very tired. And I had to watch all of these movies we're about to go through again as we finish up the 1935 awards and talk about what should have won and what shouldn't have even been nominated in the goddamn first place. Yeah, so I I feel like the first thing here is to attempt to even find five movies that were nominated yeah that should have been top top hat top hat yeah broadway melody of 36 mm-hmm. oh now now that rough going starts <laughs> i get i have forgotten everything about naughty marietta i have too <laughs> ruggles of red gap i guess like, that was a perfectly forget- no. No, Ruggles of Red Gap has some really, really messed up racism in it. Right. Uh, I guess the Les Mis? Yeah. Despite the absolutely terrible Javert, um, the Les Mis can stay, the David Copperfield can stay, even though it's tonally all over the place, because some of those all over the place tones are all right. Yeah, and it's it's not, like, egregiously offensive, which puts it head and shoulders above, like, most of the movies of this year. Yeah, um... That's four. <laughs> that's four. Yeah. Ever, like, honestly, just fucking pick something. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Nothing left on the list is a thing where I would either fight for it honestly it's like not the informer even more than like even more than mutiny on the bounty which i didn't like even more than oh no god i forgot i've blocked lives of a bingle lancer out of my mind as should everyone ever fuck this was a terrible year I don't think that there are more than two movies in this year that were good. No. Like, genuinely good. And I feel like David Copperfield was mediocre, that Les Mis was better than I expected it to be, but was still mediocre. And then everything else in this year, you know, maybe like, maybe it's Naughty Marietta because I don't remember it. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) That's fair. That's our fifth. Like, at least it doesn't immediately inspire fury in me so like that's you know oh no i know our, our fifth is alice adams our fifth is alice adams oh but that movie made no damn sense i well it made i mean it just went on too long and but katherine hepburn's good in it and that's something okay all right i'll give it to alice adams but very obviously mutiny on the bounty was not the best movie in this year or even in this incredibly overfilled stable of horses that needed to be shot (laughs) yeah to me it's either broadway melody of 1936 or top hat like they're the only ones even in the running uh for the actual best picture i feel like it's broadway melody believe it or not i do believe it i mean top hat has those same problems that we had with gay divorcee yeah it's got creepy stalking shit in it yeah and like broadway melody of 36 has its own problems and is super weird and honestly you want to talk about a movie that makes no sense it's broadway melody of 1936 but broadway melody of 1936 fucking sells it it absolutely does it's super charming and that last that last dance sequence is just amazing it has its problems but its problems are that it is nigh on surreal yeah (laughs) it's not that like the stalking guy gets the girl or like 
horrific racism or well there was just a lot of horrific racism in this year there's just this general sense of unreality like not even surreality unreality <laughs> we're just like it's dream logic like that whole movie is dream logic yeah absolutely but like that's fun with like with who's there it's a fun time and like it's the only movie this year that i would really even consider rewatching. yeah uh, like top hat was fine but like i don't need it i don't need it again i don't need the like long extended second act mistaken identity bit again i don't need any of it yeah so yeah i i sorry academy of 1935 you really really screwed this one up it was bad for the nominees and you picked the wrong one of the ones you did nominate. It's not even that I'm upset that you nominated all these movies, because it's like, maybe maybe this really was the best crop of 12 you could do from this year. Maybe just a lot of really bad films came out in 35. But this does seem like a wake-up call for, like, five nominees will do it. That's all you need. Yeah. Like, the fact that it, we are still a decade out from shortening it to five nominees despite this lineup is i maybe it just took that long for the rules committee to reform it or something but god this was a nightmare maybe hopefully next year will be better <laughs> god what hopes the informer was such a, i just have that tab open <laughs> and i'm like looking at the poster and it's like because i have i have made a solemn oath to just black out the existence of lives of a Bengal Lancer. All of my hatred and anger goes to <laughs> The Informer. Which was the second worst movie of this year. So it becomes the first because lives of a Bengal Lancer, we are erasing from the timeline. Yeah. Uh... So next week, we are starting 1936. And hopefully it will be something of a relief from this absolutely tragic year in film do we know what we're starting with we are starting with a tale of two cities all right uh, where we will find out if we have been freed from our terrible curse uh, which also features basil rathbone and i just i just really hope that it's better than 1935 <laughs> I, I i'm so i'm so burnt at this point man i just like I can't, I can't feel any anticipation for any of her movies. It's going to be a while. Uh, I, again, am just, like, looking at that, like, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Wuthering Heights year where, like, we... Oh, 1939, where we're, f where we're free! <laughs> yeah, where I'm just like, right, they just start making movies pretty soon. <laughs> they, like, they really... They... It starts working. Yeah, I, like, I kind of felt like they had figured it out, and then they, apparently they didn't. You know, it's, I, I, it makes sense to me on that level of, like, it takes a while to, like, filter through. We have made a movie. We made it happen one night. But it's going to take a while for everybody to figure out that's what a movie is and not go like, mm, are you sure it isn't House of, House of Rothschild? <laughs> Should we just make that a lot? Should we? Uh, no. Or Cimarron? Should we keep making Cimarron? Yeah. Should should every epic just be Cimarron again? Yeah. But yeah, join us next week where we find out if 
the the curse has been lifted. <laughs> <laughs> or if we're still in the bizarre hell Skippy trapped us in all <laughs> all those many months ago. We really should not have watched that video, man. It was so glitchy. Yeah, The Informer is a good movie in the actual universe. Anyway. Until then. This was a movie. This, you know, I will say that for it. This was a movie. And this was this was a year of nominees. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say for it. I mean, it was only 12 weeks, but this was a year of my life somehow. <laughs> Indeed. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Freedom!